Papakura campus, um, you guys are legends. Uh, up until only a few months ago, you were my local campus, uh, but we just we just sold our house in Takanini and just uh, are in the process of moving a little bit, just getting a little bit of a bigger house for us and our kids. And it's so cool to be here, see some familiar faces, see some new faces, and uh, just so neat to be able to be with you guys. Just want to give it up to your amazing campus pastors, Frosty and Darcy, just absolute legends. The best of the bunch, man. You guys have got great, great leaders and amazing team and phenomenal worship team. And just so proud of you guys. So proud of all you're doing and all that God is doing here. You're absolutely awesome. Pray for you guys all the time. I send you greetings from all our other campuses as well. All other seven locations. I've been around a bunch of them this year and uh, was in Botany last weekend uh, preaching as well. So just God is doing great stuff across the board. And it's really, really exciting. Welcome to any guests and visitors we got with us today. Anyone who's here for the first time, just so good to have you with us. Uh, a brother came up for a crunchy. He's like, man, I'm here. I want that crunchy bar. Give it to me. Uh, you can take as many as you want, man. Like, just come. Uh, we're just stoked that people come and, and uh, come hang out with church. Uh, also, just I met some good friends, my Mike and Melissa, who are, uh, I just met in the foyer. We ran camps together back in the youth ministry days. I don't know where they're hanging out over there. Got a couple of kids now, and uh, so cool to see you guys. Uh, it's just awesome. All right, uh, uh, we're doing a series right now called Chasing Shadows. And the series, um, we're kind of looking back into the Old Testament to see some of the foreshadowings of Jesus, like the, the, those, those pictures and those types and those foreshadowings of Christ in the old scriptures that would point towards his coming and what he would do and uh, how, what, how God was going to come and redeem and ransom the world, but there's some great pictures of him in the found in the Old Testament, and our hope is as we look back into the Old Testament and see Jesus present there, that we'll also look into our own lives today and see Jesus present with us right here, right now. And I've called this message "Another in the Fire." And I want to take us to uh, a passage of Scripture in Daniel chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, grab that out to Daniel chapter 3. If you don't, you can grab the Elam Christian Center app. All the notes are on the app there. You can follow along there, or I'm sure it's going to come up on the screen, and you can follow along with me here. Daniel chapter 3, just a little bit of context to the Scripture before we dive in. Um, this is... Uh, a point in time just before the Israelite captivity in Babylon, before the nation of Israel was taken captive and they had exile in Babylon. Uh, just before that, there was a king called Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, what he did is he went into uh, Israel and he took some of the top dudes of Israel to be trained in the ways of Babylon. It was like a precursor to um, them being taken fully into captivity. And what he did was he chose the best looking, most attractive, most learned. I mean, these guys were the cream of the crop, the most physically impressive. It looks a lot like the second row. That's all I'm going to say. The second row right here looks very much. I'd be taking you guys if I was Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, the front row, not so much. Sorry, Frosty. Uh, and these guys were taken, they were given new names, and they were trained in the customs and the ways and the culture of Babylon. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, what he does is he sets up a golden statue. And this golden statue is to be worshipped by everyone in the nation when music plays. So when music plays, everyone has to bow down and worship this golden statue. And uh, the golden statue is most likely to the Babylonian god Nebo. 
um, the name by which Nebuchadnezzar gets his name. Nebuchadnezzar means Nebo protects the crown. And so they set up this golden image. And when music plays, everyone's supposed to bow down and worship this golden image. Now, this is an issue for these Jewish men who've been taken into captivity in Babylon because for them to bow down and worship the statue would be in violation of the second commandment, which is you shall have no other gods above me. And so this moment plays out. The punishment for not bowing down and worshiping is to be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace, death penalty, if you don't bow down and worship this golden image. And it's most likely that the fiery furnace to be thrown into is the same furnace used to make the gold for the statue that they're supposed to bow down and worship. Just some cool backstory, okay? So this is where we pick up our story. Are you ready, friends? Okay, you better be ready because that was a lot to get out in front of you. Okay, Daniel chapter 3, going verse number 16, says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's the Babylonian names given to these Jewish young men. Um, if you want a cool study in your own time, go look at what the original name, names were, what they meant, and what their new names are, what they mean. It's just a cool little contrast to do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king. They said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you've set up. Going forward into verse 23. These men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound. Remember that word bound. It's going to be important later. Into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said, true, O king. He said, there's four men. I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace and declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. They came out of the fire, and those gathered together saw that the fire had no power over their bodies. Their hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. There was another in the fire. There was another in the fire. And, and a lot of scholars believe that this appearance of this fourth man in the fire was actually a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Like, like over 600 years before Jesus showed up at the cross, he showed up in the fire. That's crazy. I mean, I know there is debate theologically, scholarly debate about this, whether it was maybe just an angel of the Lord or whether it was a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Either way, it shows us the nature and character of who God is, that when these guys are in the fire, He shows up with them, right? And, and, and as we look at this pre-incarnate appearance of Christ showing up in the fire with these three men, I want to suggest to you today and encourage you that He is also present with you when you go through the fires of life in your own life as well. That Jesus is with you no matter what fire you go through, there is another in the fire. And I want to explore today three fires you may find yourself in, and I want to encourage you, I want to stir you up today that there is always another in the fire. Are you with me, church? All right, the first fire you may find yourself in in life is this, the fire of consequence. The fire of consequence. The other day, this is going to come as a shock to many of you, most of you, a lot of you know my wife, Bex, she's amazing, but the other day, she got pulled over by the police. I'm telling you. She got pulled over by the police, an officer of the law, this is a pastor, for sending a text message while stopped at a red light. So this cop followed her, pulled her over, told her what she was doing, how it was wrong, gave her a fine and demerit points. I know, I'm serious. Pray for her. 
She needs, man. Her soul is in jeopardy, man. I'm telling you. And, and, and so she calls me, right? She's in this big, like, she's so upset. She's like, babe, this cop pulled me over. I can't believe it. I, I barely even looked at my phone. It's one quick little text message. And they, they followed me through three more sets of lights before they pulled me over. And it's just not fair. They were just targeting me. And I never do this. And then that switch. She goes, you are always on your phone. I was like, wait, what? This, when did this become about me? This is... This is, this is, this is how, what's going on here. Like, you, you, you're always on your phone. You're always looking at your phone when you're driving. You never get pulled. This, you should be getting the phone. I'm like going, this is not about me. Like, this is crazy. I'm freaking out. She's blaming the cops. She's blaming me. She's blaming the devil. I bind the devil and his minions. They're like coming against me. It was the phone. I wasn't, it was, it's, it's not fair. And she's going on and on and on. I said, I had to stop. I said, babe. Listen to me. And it didn't help that my kids were in the car too, and they were like, like Mom, don't worry, we'll visit you in prison. <laughs> like, it's so funny. Like, whenever, whenever like sirens go now, my kids are like, Mom, they're coming for you. Like, she's like, I never do this. So, like, that's what criminals say. Like, everyone says they didn't do it. It's so funny. Like, we were just having it up. But I said to her, Babe, you've got to chill out. I said, Listen, the heat you're experiencing right now is of your own making. You did this. Now, how many know I was right? I slept on the couch every night since, but I was right by God. I was right. Listen, a lot of the fires you experience in your life should not be a surprise to you. See, many of the fires that I find myself in in my own life are because of my own stupidity, including the story I just told that she's going to hear about. There's going to be a fire in my life, I'm telling you. A lot of the fires I experience are because I'm an idiot, because I do dumb stuff, because I say stupid stuff, because of my own sin and my own idiocracy. I, I, like, I, I, listen, you can't get upset at God when you're in a fire that you created. Oh, God, why didn't God take me out of this? Well, you did the dumb thing. You said that. You were the one that sinned. You were the one that made the bad decision or the bad choice. Don't get upset at God when you're in a fire that you created. Jesus isn't your get-out-of-jail-free card, but he is your companion in the cell. Listen, he may not rescue you from the, from the prison time, but he'll do the time with you. And this is the beautiful thing about Jesus. Like you might have found yourself right now in a fire of your own making. Like you made a bad choice, you messed up, you sinned, you did something wrong, and now you're bearing the brunt of that. You're reaping the rewards of that, which is like, man, I'm in the fire. The beautiful thing is because there's another in the fire, he redeems and restores the broken parts of your life, and he determines that the, your past and your decisions have no bearing on your future. In fact, he can redeem it and restore it in such a way that you'll come out not even smelling of smoke. You can come through that fire and know, man, I might have messed up. I might be in the fire of consequence. Yes, I did that. Yes, I made a mistake. But my past in, with Jesus in the fire does not determine my future. I believe some of you right now are living in the fire of consequence. Maybe it's in your marriage or in your business or in your workplace or whatever it is. It's the consequence of the decisions you've made, the sin in your life. Don't worry. There's another in the fire. There's another in the fire. Your past does not define you, and Jesus is with you in the midst of it, and he's writing your redemption story. Trust me, you're going to come out. You're not even going to have the smell of smoke on you. Here's a prayer. If you find yourself in that kind of fire right now, here's a prayer you might want to pray. Here's a prayer. God, help me to trust you to redeem my past and work all things for your good. God, help me. I'm right in the middle of this fire. I know I made a mistake and I'm living in it right now, but God, help me to trust you to redeem my past and work all things for your good. Here's the second fire you might find yourself in, the fire of refinement. Refinement. I'm a bit of a nerd. Like, 
we all have, like, I think there's a closet geek in everyone. Like, you're like, I'm so cool. No, you're not. You, you, like, you love, you still love Barbie dolls. Like, there's still, there's still something about you that makes you a little bit of a nerd. And, and I love, like, learning. And I love uh, information. If you said to me, Steve, there's only one TV channel, apart from sport, that you're allowed to watch for the rest of your life, one channel, I'd be like, give me National Geographic or Discovery. Like, I want those, like, I just, I lap that stuff up. Documentaries, I love listening to podcasts about stuff. In fact, my favorite podcast is called Stuff You Should Know. It's just about stuff, and I love learning learning this stuff. And uh, we're gonna start a small group slash support group for all of us who are like me, okay? And uh, one of the things I've learned in my journey of being a bit of a nerd and watching all these things is that I've learned about the process of, uh, of refining and creating uh, precious metals, like things like gold. And like when gold comes out of the ground, it's in a raw form and it's kind of scraggy and it's got lots of like dirt and filth and all kinds of other things in it, impurities in it. And so what they do to make the gold more pure and better is they refine it and how they refine it is with fire. They put the gold in fire, and the fire heats up the gold, and what happens is the impurities in the gold come to the surface, and then they take away what is not supposed to stay in the gold, the stuff that's junky, the stuff that's rubbishy, and they take it away. And I heard someone say that a, 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 an expert gold maker knows when the gold is ready and it's pure enough because the gold maker can see the reflection in the gold. And it's cool. That, that's just cool. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just a cool side thought. You can write that down. That's not in the Bible, but that's cool anyway. See, the heat brings up the impurities. It brings up the stuff that's holding that gold back from being its best form and its most usable form. And I'd like to suggest to you and I today that some of the fires that we go through in our life are God's refining process to remove the junk from our lives so we can come out the other side a better version of us. I know this isn't a nice encouraging word to hear, but it's good for somebody. These men, these three men went into the fire bound up bound up with ropes, they were tied up, they were restricted, they were held back, they were restrained. The only thing the fire burned away were the ropes that bound them. The only other thing, everything else it didn't touch, it didn't leave the smell of it, it didn't singe anything, it only burned away what bound them. And I want to say to you friends, sometimes the fire in your life is there because God wants to use it to burn away the stuff that's in you that can't stay there if you're going to walk into the full, free and abundant life that God has for you. So many times we have these mindsets and beliefs and behaviors and attitudes and, and old habits and things and it takes a little bit of fire in your life where the heat comes on and the pressure comes on and all of a sudden this stuff starts to come up to the surface and that's the place where God can go cool let's deal with that now and this is why you need a small group and I got my little plug up here with a small group sticker on the iPad listen this is why you need a small group because you need people around you that know you and get to know you and so they walk with you in the journey of fire because in the fire stuff will come to the surface and they'll go where did that come from I haven't seen that before like when the fire is on you at work and the heat's on and all of a sudden stuff starts bubbling up out of you and they're like, I haven't seen this side of Frosty before. He wants to punch people. That's not okay. You're a pastor. Love them. So then I could go, dude, where'd that come from? Let's dig that out. Let's process that. Let's get rid of that stuff so you can be a better, freer, more healthy, abundant version of who you are and who God's called you to be. 2020 for me was like a year of refinement. I feel like maybe 2020 was God's process of refining the church too. Like he was just like, I'm just going to deal with a whole bunch of stuff. And we're going to get back to who we are. But for me, it was a, a crazy period of refinement. Some of you know my journey, my story, but um, most of you probably don't. Last, uh, last year, 
end of 2019, I got a really bad virus. I got really sick. And uh, that virus attacked the balance center in my ear. And so it permanently damaged my balance organ in my right ear. So for me, balance is uh, it's fine, but also not fine. Like it's a, it's a real challenge because my, my, my natural balance organ does not do its job properly. And so what that meant was a year of just crazy and, and still ongoing issues with balance. Hence why I'm sitting on a stool and preaching. Also why I wear a hat sometimes just because it helps to eliminate some visual stimulation which can just make my brain kind of overload a little bit and make balance really, really difficult. So it just doesn't do its job. So last year for me was this journey of trying to live, trying to do my job, trying to be a dad, a husband, a pastor, trying to lead this church, trying to preach, and it was just incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult, like constantly feeling spun out, constantly feel like I'm going to fall over, constantly like losing my train of thought because my brain is constantly trying to keep me balanced because my the, the thing that's supposed to do it doesn't do it, and so if I have any other like brain function, if I'm thinking about stuff or trying to preach, it's like my brain goes, can't do everything, so you're going to fall over now. <laughs> yeah, like that's kind of how it rolls, and it's like crazy, right? So that was the tip of the iceberg. That led me on a pro, uh, down a road of just crazy anxiety and fear and worry, and depression, and I, I went to the bottom of that barrel, and if you've been there before, I'm with you, friend, like, I've been there, to that place where it's just like, it's dark, and it's cold, and you're alone, and you're like, I don't even know how I'm going to live tomorrow in that place. This is what's crazy. Through that process and that journey that I'm still walking through, it's like, God just took my life and was like, cool, all right, Steve, let's make a better version of you going forward. This thing, this way you've been thinking up up until now, yeah, that's not going to work anymore. Let's get rid of that. It was like refined time. It was like, I'm in the fire, man. And God's like going, cool, that mindset, yeah, that's been helpful, but not anymore. See you later. That way you've been leading and living, yeah, cool, not anymore. That way you've been just like throwing yourself into everything, going 100 miles an hour. Yeah, that's not going to work for you anymore. I'm just going to reshape you. I'm going to reform you. I'm going to take away all these old ideas and mindsets and beliefs about you and your calling. I'm just going to take all that away, and we're going to start afresh. Friends, it was painful. It was horrible. Did I like the fire? No. Was I alone in the fire? No. Because I've come through that, a better version of who I am, a better leader, more balanced, more, 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 I guess, in tune with what God's calling me to do, how God's calling me to live. There was another in the fire. When you choose to follow Jesus, he doesn't promise to take away the fire, but he does promise to be with you in the midst of it. And, and can I suggest that, that the fire you're going through, maybe some of you right now, the fire you're going through, although uncomfortable, may be just what you need. It may be the, just the thing that you, maybe just the thing that God wants to use to make you a better version. Maybe you're in the middle in your marriage. Like, man, our marriage is under fire. It's like we're in the fire right now. And there's all this stuff bubbling up to the surface. There's all this tension. It's, can I just say good? Because the stuff that's under there will only come up and out with fire. And sometimes it takes a bit of heat and a bit of tension for you to start letting the stuff come to the surface, stuff that you haven't addressed for years, stuff that's been there from the beginning that you haven't talked about, that you haven't processed, that you haven't got right, and now it's coming up. Let it come up and get people around you, godly people, so that God can go, cool, that's not going to work for you anymore. We're going to deal with that stuff. Maybe in your marriage, in your ministry, and with your boss, with your coworkers. I don't know who it is. I don't know where it is. But right now, if there's a fire in your life, perhaps you're praying, God remove the fire, maybe a better prayer is God use the fire to remove from me what's not of you. Flip it, change it. 
So many times I'm like, God, deal with that fire. Put it out. I don't want it. He's like, awesome. I'm going to start with you. Like, no, I didn't want that. It's not what I, was, what I was after. But the process of refinement happens with fire. There's another in that fire. There's another in that fire. Here's a prayer. If you're in the midst of that, pray this prayer. God, show me what needs to be refined from me so I can be more free in you. Show me what needs to be refined from me so I can be more free in you. The third fire and final one, a band you guys can come and join me too, make me sound more spiritual and help everyone know that we're landing the plane. The third fire you might have is this, a fire, the fire of a changing culture. The fire of a changing culture. One of the things that's been super interesting to me, and we're actually going to be doing a whole series on this really soon um, in church, is this, this whole idea of this thing called cancel culture. Have you guys heard of cancel culture? It's like, like if, you, if you go against the, the dominant like ideology or narrative or cultural wokeness, like get ready to be canceled, right? It's like if you don't line up with our ideas of how things should be, you're going to get canceled. Or maybe if you've done something wrong in your past, like, and we find out about it and we think it's really wrong, we're going to cancel you. Like, we're going to burn down your life. We're going to make sure you don't have a job and we're going to get you fired. And like, you're going to, it's going to, your life is going to be like living in a fire, man. And this worries me because I've done a lot of stupid stuff in my life. And I've said a lot of stupid stuff in my life. So I'm ripe for being canceled. And the truth is, friends, so are you. Because you're as stupid as me. <laughs> Let's edit that from the podcast. Let's go to church on Sunday. Pastor Steve called us stupid. They're <laughs> so built up and encouraged this morning. You're not stupid. We just all do dumb stuff, right? We all, like, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all ripe for the cancel. We're all ripe for it. Like we're, like, and, and I'm just thankful that when I was an idiot teenager, cell phone cameras didn't exist. Because my stupidity hasn't been documented <laughs> for the most part. And it worries me and it concerns me. But right now in our culture, if you have certain viewpoints, if you go against that woke narrative, the, the dominant cultural ideology, or ideology, get ready for the fire. Get ready for the fire. Because people want to burn your life down. And this is the exact same fire that these young men found themselves in. They were in a culture, these young Jewish men, there was a cultural, ideological, governmental, political pressure on them to bow down to something that didn't line up with the Word of God, with the truth of who they were in Him, and with God's values and God's commandments. And so there was pressure on them to bow down, and if they didn't bow down, they were going to get their lives burned down. And I want to say this, friends, in this day and age, when you stand for the truth of God's Word, His ways, His values, uh, don't be surprised when in a changing culture, there is pressure on you to bow down in your workplace, in your school, in your university, in your friend groups, in your lunchroom at work. There is pressure on you to bow down to the dominant political ideology. And, and remember, when you're in that place, there's another in the fire. There's another in the fire. You're not alone in that moment. You're not alone in that pressure. You're not alone in that fire. As followers of Christ, here's what I've done, and I want to encourage you to do it. Make the decision that I won't bow down to the pressure of a changing culture, popular opinion, or even those who are going to stoke the fire and try and pressure me to bow down. I will only bow down to the one who's in the fire with me, and his name is Jesus. And you better give him some praise this morning. Come on. 
I'm going to stand on the Word. I'm going to stand on the truth of God's Word. I'm going to stand on the rock of Jesus. I'm going to build my life on that. Not on that, not on that. You can throw me in the fire if you want to and God can save me. But even if He doesn't, I'm not bowing down. I know who I stand for. I know who I live for. And what I live for will not change. The knee I bow will only be to Jesus. Not your golden statue. Not your golden ideology. Not your golden political viewpoint. I don't care if you try and burn me down. God can save me from the fire, but even if He doesn't, even if He doesn't, there's another in the fire. There's another in the fire. Here's a prayer you can pray. If you're in that place, and I know many of you probably are, here's a prayer. Lord, give me the strength of conviction to hold firm to You in the midst of a changing culture. There's another in the fire. No matter where you are right now, no matter what position you're in, no matter what fire you might find yourself in in this moment. And I know many in this room, you're like, man, I'm just like, my life is in the fire. Can I encourage you? I want this to sort of like ring in your mind as you leave this place, as you go from this room, as you go into your week, as you go forward in your walk with God. Let this resonate in your mind. No matter where you go, no matter what fire you're in, there is always another in the fire. Can I pray for you, church? Let's bow our heads for a moment.